Thank you for tuning into the City Church California podcast. We exist for anyone to believe in God, to become who God created them to be, and to build the church and our city. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast so that you can be updated anytime we add new content. Now let's check out the latest message from our Sunday gathering. And we're going to continue our series today in our Build Together offering. Uh, Before we do, I I want to show you, Becky and I, probably the number one thing, if you'd say, what do you guys argue about? And by the way, in a few weeks, Becky and I will celebrate 35 years of marriage. And I would say for 35 years, the thing that we have conflict over is usually money. And if I thought we should have get given 100, she usually thinks it's going to be 50. And that's something that we are learning and to begin to agree on. And so when it came to build together this year, I said, hey, what are you thinking? She usually tries to ask me because she knows my number is probably going to come in a little bit higher. Is it just us that go through this? Is there anyone else that goes through this? And and so she said her amount. I said, you know, Becky, this is such an amazing, unique year, uh, not only for our church, but for the entire nation. I want to give more than we've ever given in the past three years in this offering. And we already give 10%. Let me just back up. I was uh, at dinner with one of my sons. And we were treating, and usually when I go out to eat, I like to give the server, whether they're excellent or average, a 20% tip. Because I always figure, because of the economy and the times we live in, they may need to be blessed. And I'm a generous person, whether it's in the house of God or in the way I live. And so my son said, Dad, I will not give a server more than I give the church. I only give 10%. And I said, so-and-so, I don't want to tell the son. And I said, "Uh, son, I said, we stopped giving 10% a long time ago. I said, we really do give 20% because we trust God with our money. And so for Becky and I, this isn't a part of that giving. It's above and beyond. And so she said her amount, and I said my amount. And you know what? She's growing, and I'm growing. And she goes, uh, wow, that, that is a little bit higher, you know, than I was expecting. And I said, well, let's just pray about it. And so she didn't force the issue and I didn't force the issue. And we came back together two weeks later and we found some money. And, and it's like we came into agreement. So next week, uh, we are going to give sacrificially. And I love what Michael said. It's not equal amounts, but it is equal sacrifice. And for me, what I am doing, and I already know, and by next Sunday, uh, the name will be filled in this blank, and Becky and I are in complete agreement who we are believing for, because for me, I'm not just here for anyone to believe. That is a major part of our vision, but we're also here that they would become like Jesus, then build together. And so I'm praying that this person will become aware, not only of Jesus Christ, but literally by faith, Christ is going to become the center of their life, not just a weekend, not just a service, but Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, day, night, good times, bad times. And I just have a sense this is going to be their year. This will be their year. So I really want you to take this envelope, take it home and And you will begin to pray about that. Now, 
in the past years, we have focused on, as we continue today, build together. We focused on building, and we really have become a, a people, a people, a people that are builders. But this year, we want to focus on together. And I want to say the word togetherness. And I believe it's very, very important that we are together. We have togetherness during good times during tough times, and I want to say it this way, and during times that count. There are times in our lives that really count, and this is one of them. Not just good, not just tough, but times that count. And so we're going to continue today in the book of Habakkuk. And if you have your Bible, it says a pastor is a shepherd. I want you to either open up to Habakkuk 2 in a traditional Bible or go in your, your Bible on your phone. And of course, the verses will come online. So if you're online, you'll see that. But whether you're here in the auditorium, I believe we're living in a day we need to be trained and we need to begin to practice reading scripture for ourselves. And I want to pause and tell you, and I'm saying this to young people, to mature people, you become what you practice. If you practice gratefulness or gratitude, you will become grateful. And so if you practice my mindfulness, you're going to become aware. How can we believe that the world, Ventura, LA, California, will become aware of the glory of God if we're not really aware? And one of the major ways we become aware is that we pay attention when the Bible's being read. It doesn't kind of come in one ear and out the other, but we're putting our eye focus, our mental and intellectual focus, and our emotional focus on what the Word says. So let's go to Habakkuk chapter 2. Verse 14, it says, For as the waters fill the sea, the earth will be filled with the awareness of the glory of the Lord. And a traditional Bible says this that uh, the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of God. We're not just talking about any knowledge, but the knowledge of God. And that's why this year, together, is going to be content and compassion. We cannot awaken them just on any type of knowledge or content. We want the knowledge of God. Now, let's go to chapter 3. And chapter 3 is probably one of my favorite chapters in all the Bible. And, and let me remind you, Habakkuk is a minor prophet. We have a major, major prophets in the Old Testament, which would be Isaiah, Jeremiah, and Ezekiel. And they're major because they, they have more content. He only has three chapters, but he's unbelievable. Now, remember, Habakkuk lived at the end of the kingdom of Judah's reign. Their kingdom is going to come to an end, and a foreign power is going to come and invade their, their, their space, and they're not going to be compassionate to their belief or their faith, and they will come in and try to control them. People have asked me during this series, Pastor Jude, do you think a foreign power will come into the United States? I don't know about that, but I would say there's already a foreign power in every nation, and we do not struggle against parties and ideas. We struggle against principalities and powers and rulers of darkness that would try to overtake our minds, our thoughts, our thoughts, and our energy. And I want to say what's amazing about Habakkuk. Other prophets, they kind of come, when you think of a prophet, 
especially in the Old Testament, it's one of those people, do you know someone when they're talking to you, they have their finger out like that? Sometimes when I get intense, I do that and have to remind myself, you really aren't that prophetic. You're being pathetic. And in the Old Testament prophets, you know, they come with their finger pointed and they would have a message from Jehovah and they would use the Torah, the five books of Moses to begin to confront the nation of Israel or the people of God. That is not Habakkuk. He comes and he comes with a prayerful worship song and history says that Habakkuk was a Levite and he was over music in his day. And can I say, I think Pastor Steve and our team are a type of Habakkuk where we are going to literally see the glory of God and the awareness of God, not with a bunch of finger pointing, but a bunch of worship that brings the glory of God to our hearts, our minds, and our homes. And so I really, I love Habakkuk chapter 3. Honestly, it's one of my favorite chapters. Now, let me tell you where we're going with this. We're going to read verses 1 and 2. Then we're going to go and we will read verses 17 and 19. So our bookends are going to be this. You're going to see in the first two verses, worship. And then you're going to see in the last two verses, witness. Did you get that? So we're going to see worship. And I want you to write this down or text this or chat this. Worship is for God. Are you with me? So when we come to church, whether it's online or here, our worship isn't for your neighbor or yourself. Worship is for God. And so Habakkuk shows us how to worship during a difficult time. Hey, by the way, have you ever thought, especially you're a young person, well, I don't feel like worshiping. I'm not in the mood to worship. He shows you how to worship when you're not in the mood to worship because worship is not a mood or a feeling. It comes by faith in a demonstration of who God is and what he has done. And so the first two verses are worship, but then those last two verses are a witness. I'd like to say it another way, a formation. Can I say whatever you worship will form the person you're in? And you're going to worship somebody. Remember the prophet Bob Dylan? You're going to serve somebody. You're going to serve the Lord, the devil, or yourself. And whatever we worship becomes a witness or a formation. And our witness or our formation is not to us, but for others. And let me just say this, it ends with a metaphor, a picture of our feet being made like the feet of a deer that we could go on our high places. So let's begin to read Habakkuk chapter three, and we're going to get the first two verses. And here we go. It says a prayer of Habakkuk, the prophet on Sigianoth. And so it starts with a prayer. I love this. It's not a message from Jehovah. He starts with a prayer. So when you are in a confusing, troubled, distressful time, we should pray, we should worship, and we should have a witness. So he says, the prayer of Habakkuk, the prophet on Sigianoth. We're going to come back to that word. I want you to underline that. It's the only time in the entire Old Testament that this Hebrew word pops up. And then it says this, it says, Lord, I love this. I, I have prayed this for over 32 years. Lord, I have heard of your fame. Say that with me. Lord, I have you may want to write that down. Lord, I have heard of your fame. I stand in awe of your deeds. Lord, repeat 
them. I don't really like the word that the NIV uses here. It says, repeat them in our day, make them known in our times. He says, repeat them. That's not the best word. A better word that's used in the New King James or the Old King James, talking about old school, says, revive them. Revive them in our days and make them known in our times. So he says this, I stand in awe of your deeds. Get this. And I have, no, I stand, I've heard of your fame. I stand in awe of your deeds. Make them known in our days or make them known in our times. And I'm totally badgering this up. I'm trying to go from King James to Old King James to New King James to NIV. He says, I stand in awe of your deeds, Lord. Repeat them or revive them in our days, in our times. Make them known. Now get this, in wrath, remember mercy. In wrath, remember mercy. I want you to begin to know this. This book, as we get to chapter three, it is a prayer and it is a song. And you'll know why it's a song because you know the word Sigianoth, never used in the Old Testament, but here. And its meaning is a little bit uncertain, but the scholars figure out the meaning because a similar word, almost the exact word, is used in Psalm chapter seven, Sigion, which means a wild, passionate song. Now, some of you who are my age and older, when I walked in and I heard the guitar and the drums and go, oh my goodness, that's loud. How many of you ever think they need to bring it down a little bit? Can you, can I have a witness? Can you wave at me? And I guarantee you, you're 61 and a half or older. And, and Habakkuk was not 61 because you had to retire at the age of 50. And so this literally is a wild, passionate, triumphant song. Hear me. They weren't experiencing triumph. The enemy was going to come and control them. It was going to look like all hope is gone. But he begins to sing a wild and a passionate song. And in this chapter, in a moment, we're going to go back. You're going to get your iPhones or you're going to get your Bible. In this chapter, the word Selah is used three times. Now, Selah in the Psalms, which is the worship prayer book of the Jewish people, Christian people, Catholic people, Protestant people for the ages, that word in psalm is used 70 times but in one chapter it is used three times in the meaning of selah get this and i really think we need to get this spiritual principle when the enemy comes in and i just want to say we are living in contested space we need to learn to selah a lot more which means stop and pause and begin to meditate. Not meditate on the economy, not meditate on the supply chain, not meditate in who's on office, not meditate what's going on around you, not meditate whether this is forced or not forced, but begin to meditate on God, on who he is and what he's done and begin to stand in awe of him. Now, when you begin to think of Salem, you say, why would this prophet, this Levite, who is a musician, this worshiper, begin to use Selah three times? And we're going to look at each time, verse 3, verse 9, verse 13. So go to chapter 3. It's like a Broadway play. How many of you ever seen Les Mis? You, you really shouldn't go to heaven unless you see Les Mis. 
and then Hamilton, or maybe you see, I mean, come on, Les Mis, I've dreamed a dream. And, and all of a sudden it's crescendo and it's crescendo. And what people begin to do, they get worked up and they begin to applaud. But in Hebrew worship, you wouldn't just applaud. You would stop, you would reflect, and you would begin to meditate on God. Let's look at this. Look at verse 3. And I'm looking, this is a Bible. You see, I have it highlighted. It's on my iPhone. Come on. Here it goes. I want you to read with me. It says, God came from Timon. And Timon is from the east. Can I tell you, whenever destruction and darkness come, lift up your eyes to the hills which cometh your help. Our help comes from the Lord. Can I tell you, when Jesus Christ comes back, he's going to break the eastern sky. And even though it's dark, light will fill the universe. Are you with me? He said, the Holy One from the Mount of Paran. And he says, stop and begin to think about this. Come on, destruction's all around. And he says, hey, the Holy only one is going to come from Mount Paran. Now, it says his glory covered the heavens and the earth was full of his praise. Man, we felt that this morning. Not only was this room full of his praise, online was full of his praise. I guarantee you all over the nation, I just sensed it on Sunday morning, believing people who live in this nation are worshiping our God and his glory will fill our nation as the waters cover the sea. Amen. Go now to verse 9. Get this. It says, your bow was made quite ready. Oaths were sworn over your arrows. Selah. Can I tell you, God has a bow, but guess who his arrows are? We are. And I don't know about you, when my jack gets his bow reno, that's what he calls a bow and arrow, my bow reno, he doesn't usually hit the target. But I'm a pretty good shot. I said, Jack, give me the bow reno. He started running. I hit him right in the back. He goes, ah, Jude, you got me. Can I tell you, the Bible says sin, sorry. The Bible says that sin makes the arrow miss the mark. However, Jesus Christ, the great archer, because of the cross of Jesus Christ, we are going to hit our destiny and no one, no government can stop us from hitting the mark. Pause, stop, applause on that part. Can you say amen? It said, you divided the earth with the rivers. Now go to verse 13. This is my favorite one in chapter 3, and this is a great musical. He said, you went forth for the salvation of your people. Can I say right now, I want you to really pause. Let's see, God has already gone forth for the salvation of his people, for the salvation, get this, with your anointed. And it's a capital A. And you know who that is? Jesus Christ. He's greater than Habakkuk. He's greater than the Babylonians. He's greater than what's going on in their time or our time. You struck that, get this, you struck the head from the house of the wicked by laying bare the foundation from the neck. Selah, pause, meditate, and think about that. Can I just say right now? Jesus Christ, the Bible says in Genesis 3, 15, that the seed of the woman will crush the head of the serpent. We are not wrestling against political power, foreign power, or cultural power. There is a devil, but Jesus Christ already crushed his head and laid him bare all the way to the neck. Your head is on the neck. The neck turns and makes decisions. Come on, the devil is not making decisions in our lives. Jesus Christ, the anointed one, is making decisions in our lives. Come on. Amen. 
Now, I want you to go back to verse 1 and 2. Go back to verse 1 and 2 in Habakkuk chapter 2. And again, he says this, and I love what he says. He says, Habakkuk the prophet from Sigeonoth, and he says this, Lord, I have heard of your fame. I want you to write that down. Lord, I have heard of your fame. Get this next part, and I stand in awe of your deeds. I want to begin to define worship, and he does that. He says, Lord, I have heard. Say that with me, or at least sink it. You don't have to say it. Lord, I have heard. Lord, I have heard of your fame. I stand, and I'm going to go on this side of the table. I stand in awe of your deeds. That is worship right there. He says, Lord, I have heard of your fame. Can I say, you know where worship begins? It does not begin with a musical note. It doesn't begin with drums or a sense of size or even a human voice. It begins with hearing. When the children of Israel, they are led into Egypt, they're in bondage for over 400 years. They're in the wilderness and they fight two kings, Og and Sion. And all of a sudden, they sent spies into the land. Joshua sent two spies. And Rahab, a prostitute, hid them in her house. And you'll never guess where her worship began. She said, we have heard how your God and your Lord has defeated the kings. Can I say, anytime you begin to hear what God is saying, which comes from the word of God, it moves us into a place of worship out of emotions, out of intelligence, into a worship of God. Remember the woman with the issue of blood. If you have an issue here today, you could press through the crowd in the confusion and it said she had heard how Jesus was healing. Worship begins with hearing because faith begins with hearing. And I don't know about you, I'm not listening what some of the pundits are saying about our God. I am listening what this Bible says about our God. I don't want to hear what the media is saying about our God. I want to hear what God is saying about himself. Are you with me? And I love that Habakkuk didn't go the old school route of the prophet saying, oh, this is what Jehovah is saying. He all, he, all of a sudden, he sees this darkness coming to the land and he has a fit of worship and he begins to say can I say let your worship outlast and outweigh all that's happening in this nation come on and so I want you to just write that down he says I stand in awe um, no 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 that's the next one sorry he says I've heard of your fame and this is the next part I stand in awe of your deeds you say what is worship it's two positions number one it is hearing who God is and so for example years ago when we got uh, a diagnosis and news that Becky had lymphoma it took it really attacked my faith have you ever had anything that made you want to doubt God have you ever had anything where you got bitter with God? Now, I'm going to say something very cheesy. And so I'm warning you before I say it. But I'd like you to consider it. And you may want to write it down. When you praise, you will be raised. But when we complain, we remain. And they had so much to complain about in his day. In that moment, when that diagnosis came, I want you to know, I, everything within me did not want to praise God. Praising God, if we only praise God when the music's good, when everything's going our way, 
then that is not praising God. That is using your emotions and almost looking at God for what he can do for us. But we praise God not because what he does for us, but what he, who he is and what he's already done and what we know he will do. Now, let me just relieve you. Don't think I come into this room or online when I've uh, participated in Experience Guide online then I always come and I know you may say, well, why do they have their hands lifted? I am so moody at times that when I come to church and if my favorite worship leader is not leading worship and they do not play my favorite song, I've done this. <laughs> Can I say it right now? That's not worship. Worship hears of God's fame and then all of a sudden you stand in awe of God's deeds. Okay, no, no, no. You're, you're not getting what I'm saying. You know why we, a moody worshiper makes their life and themselves and their intelligence and their call bigger than the God of heaven and earth. Okay, let me explain to you. Jake, when he played Little League ball, his favorite baseball player is Derek Jeter. And he was, I don't know, maybe third grade. He said, uh, he wrote a letter to Derek Jeter. Dear Derek Jeter, misspelled Derek. He said, my name is Jake Fuquay. I am a shortstop, misspelled shortstop, shortstop. <laughs> he said, one day I'm going to play for the New York Yankees and I'm going to be a shortstop and we will play baseball together. God bless your friend, Jake Fuquay. P.S. If you ever need to talk, he put his cell number. I kid you not. <laughs> and so he came and I read the letter and he goes, Dad, now pray. Pray. He kind of saw me as a Levite at the house. I go, what do you want me to pray? He goes, Dad, I want you to pray that I meet Derek Jeter. I said, no, Jacob, we live in Seattle. He lives in New York. He said, Dad, I'm asking you to pray. So I put my hand on the envelope and I said, Lord, let Jake meet Derek Jeter. I kid you not, two weeks later, a gal who didn't even go to the city church in Seattle sent us five tickets in the mail to the Seattle Mariners New York Yankees game. And usually when people give you something free, don't go call all your friends because it's usually not good. You're in the nosebleed section where you can't even see anyone. But not this time. It was in the Diamond Club section where you have complimentary food. And so Becky's there with the boys. And this guy, Amondesi, comes about baseball player he said we're vo we voted you're the best looking woman in this stadium she goes thank you very much she blinked her eyes she said can you go get Derek Jeter they went <laughs> I kid you not Derek Jeter came she pulls Jake up and he was in such awe <sighs> he could not even move <laughs> He was in shock. You'd have thought God had manifested himself and he manifested in the form of Derek Jeter. So we took a picture. He goes, Mom, go get it. Go get it processed. This is before you had an iPhone. You had to go to Costco and get your pictures processed. And he goes, he stared at that picture for days. We have it blown up. And when he was little, he said, Dad, we really are alike. He has a mole right here, and I have one too. And it's like, oh, my God. 
Can I say, when you come to church, are you more in awe of your circumstance? Are you more in awe of what is troubling you? Are you more in awe about this or that or our career? Careers are great. Financial portfolios are awesome. However, there is a God that's bigger than it all. Can I say awe? I want you to think of that. I stand in awe. No, Lord, I have heard of your fame. I stand in awe of your deeds. Can I say, I used to be in awe of LSU two years ago. And whatever you're in awe of, you'll give money to. I would not pay to go see them right now. Maybe next year. Can I say, if we are so in awe of God, do we give to God? Are you with me? Everyone say, I've heard of your fame. I stand in awe of your deeds. And I just want you to think about what deeds was he talking about? This is a Levite. Number one, the deed of creation. In the beginning, God. This Bible is not written that, to debate that God exists. He already exists. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was without form. And darkness hovered over the face of the deep. Verse 2. And God said, let there be light. And all of a sudden, Habakkuk is saying, if you created it out of nothing, you will create something out of this turmoil. The next great deed. He began, and you could see in this, it's cryptic in these words. He thought of Abraham who couldn't father a child. He was past the, the age of ever having a child. And God gave him a child. And not only did he become a father, he became a father, not only of the nation of Israel, but of many nations. Then the next one, Israel is born. A nation came out of a people who were no people. Then the next one you could see not only a nation, you begin to see that God promised an anointed one that would come from a king called David and he would have a house and a throne and a son. In the back it says, no matter what comes our way, come on America, no matter what comes our way, God has a son that sits on a throne until his enemies are made his very footstool. Everyone say, I stand in awe of your deeds. Say, I've heard of your fame. Now, one, I'm moving to witness. I want you to go all the way back down to chapter, I mean, verses 17 and 19. In these verses, I want you to begin to see this. This is at the end. This is one of my favorite parts of this entire book. And I love it. It says, though the fig tree may not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, though the labor of the olive may fail, and the fields, get this, yield no food, though the flock may be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls, get this, yet, 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 he doesn't deny what's going on. I want to go back and read that again. We're going to start. Though the fig tree may not blossom, Maybe your prayers have not been answered. The fruit be on the vines. Maybe you have planted, but you have not reaped. Though the labor of the olive may fail and the fields yield no food, though the flock may be cut off from the fold and there no herd in the stall, yet, yet, I will rejoice. I love this. I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God who is my salvation or strength. He, and this is the metaphor, and I love this. He will make my feet 
the feet of the deer, and he will make me go or dwell on my high places to the chief musician with my string instruments. I want to say that again. He will make my feet like deer's feet. He will make me walk on my high hills to the chief musician. I want you to know this. Everyone say worship. Worship is for God. I'm going to invite the band to come up. It's for God. When we come together, or maybe even this morning, I ate a very, very healthy breakfast. It was a total protein breakfast. I didn't cook it. Becky didn't cook it. The golden arches cooked it. (laughs) But like Michael on the office, I got my sausage McMuffin, no cheese, and didn't eat the muffin, okay? So it was just egg and sausage, and that was my breakfast. I was in my car going through the drive-thru and I just had this song by Chris Koala, I Exalt Thee. And so the cool thing about being in the drive-thru when they have several cars in front of you, you could put it in part, you could shut your eyes and I began to worship. He says, yet I will exalt the Lord. I want you to really begin to hear me. When I was 20 years old, Jesus found me. And I can honestly tell you, The journey has been interesting. We've had some good days and some tough days. We've had some clear days and sometimes some days that were just like, Lord, what in the world are you doing? And when I was about 22, someone had given me a book by Hannah Hernard, Hind's Feet on High Places. And it's an allegory. And Hind's Feet, or the feet of a deer. And it's mentioned two other times in the Bible, this metaphor, hinds feet, he will make. Get this, worship is, I have heard of your fame. I stand in awe of your deeds. A witness is what God does. I've never really been good at witnessing. I mean, I was a guy, Friday night used to be witnessing night and we'd go give a track to someone and I was always shamed. I was never shamed of Christ. I just wasn't wired. It's like, here, and I'd run off. That's not the witness God wants. He wants a witness of an individual who's able to worship him when the olive tree fails and there's no flock in the herd, I mean, in the herd, and the barns are empty, yet I will rejoice in the Lord, the God of my strength. And so Hannah Hernard's book is an allegory. It's about a woman. If you've never read it, her name is Much Afraid. And she's so fearful that her face is twisted. Now her cousins are names like Coward, Craving Fear. Uh, Another friend is Self-Pity, Bitterness. And they're always wanting her to say in the Valley of Isolation at near Lord Fear's mansion. But she met a shepherd. And the shepherd said, I want to take you to a high place. And it's the story of suffering that she goes and she begins to trust God. And she gets to this mountain peak. And it really, light begins to shine as the story goes. And it's a type of mountain transfiguration. And all of a sudden she's transformed. And the shepherd appears to her, and this makes me cry, because somehow, I read it again, 
These verses are some of my favorite verses, not just to preach on, but to live by. And you see, at the end of her life, she worshiped, but her worship and following God allowed a new formation within her. And it became a witness to everyone that was around her. And so you'll never guess what, she, she was looking in this crystal river and she could see her reflection and her mouth was no longer twisted and her heart was no longer fearful. Her face had become beautiful and the shepherd says, much afraid, I have a new name for you. Your new name is glory and grace. And now I want you to go back into the valley and I want you to be a witness for me. Can I say in the day that we're living in, we want to awaken people to an awareness of the glory of God. And it will not be through debate. It will not be through sermonizing. It's going to be like Habakkuk that yet I will worship the Lord. Yet I will have joy in my God. And can I say right now, please hear me. Joy is a choice. Joy is not a feeling. Joy is not a circumstance. Joy is a choice. And I love when not only get this, please hear this. It says God will make our feet like the feet of a deer. Becky's brother, her, her great, 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 great grandfather is Daniel Boone. True story. You're going to see for real. Her brother hunts in Alaska. And can I say, he no longer uses a rifle. It's not challenging. He will go to the high mountains of Alaska and use a bow and arrow. And he has seen animals, sheep, and deer that most human has never seen. I have an announcement for you today. They say there, he says, he will make my feet like a deer that I may walk on my high places. Do you know God has an opportunity for you that is going to take faith to get you there and that a deer with the way their feet is, they could go in the steep, most vertical cliff and never be afraid and they could walk on a high place. But I have to tell you something. Guess what a high place is in the Bible? High places in the Old Testament are places of worship. When you and I worship, when we don't feel like it, when all the world is screaming that we shouldn't, all of a sudden a trance transformation happens and we are able to walk in a way that we couldn't have walked without knowing our God. Come on. So it didn't turn out the way you thought. So it didn't happen the way you wanted it. Can I say we can still worship and God will make us a witness in Jesus name. Can you stand up? Just give the Lord a shout and a hand clap. I want you maybe, I don't know, you can put your hands like this, put your hands on your heart. I want you to respond to this as I am. I want to say one last thing to us today. As I was writing this, I feel such an affinity with the back. I don't think I could ever be an Isaiah. I think you'd have to have a doctorate degree to be him. Ezekiel is, I'm eccentric, but he's way out there. And I thought, I so vibe with this man who's just a priest and he's a worshiper and he's worshiping God. Hear me, this is who I want to dedicate this moment to. They had two women, Corey and Betsy Tin Boom. And they were taken into a concentration camp. 
and they saw things that really no human eye should ever witness. But in that concentration camp, Corey Timboon would worship God and she would rejoice in the Lord. And again, I say rejoice. And she said it transformed her life. I want to make a dedication from this moment on because whatever we practice, we become. I want you to hear me. Whatever you practice, that's actually what you're becoming. If my face is twisted, then my heart is fearful. And I don't want my name to be much afraid. I want the name God chose for me way before I was born. And can I say right now, we complain, we remain, but we praise and somehow, sorry, sounds cheesy, we will be elevated to do all that God has created us to do. Amen. Do you mind, can I just pray for us? Almighty God, we come and I surely stand in awe of your deeds. God, I've heard of your fame. Make them known in our time. God, revive your work. God, that work of salvation, that work of God. God, in your wrath, remember mercy. God, we say, have mercy on us. Have mercy on others. Have mercy, O Lord. God, we've heard of your fame. We stand in awe of your deeds. Revive them in our times. Make them known in this day. In wrath, remember mercy. And just right where you're standing, mercy is not getting what you deserve. And let me tell you, the cross of Jesus Christ was fueled by the love of God. The cross was the wrath of God fueled by the mercy of God. The cross is the wrath and the mercy of God. So the wrath of God on the cross, the wrath of God came on the Son of God that the children of God may receive mercy. Can I say all of the wrath of God came on the Son of God that the children of God might receive mercy. Who in your life right now you need to give mercy to? Who do you need to give mercy to? Who do you need to extend that merciful, beautiful, I'm not going to be bitter. I am not going to be unforgiving. I am going to release mercy on your life. That is the way that transforms our life where we could go to a higher place, a new dimension in Jesus Christ. And I just want to ask right now, is there anyone in your life that you need to extend mercy to? Will you just raise your hand? Let's do that right now. God, we forgive. God, you've had an abundance of mercy on me and still do. And God, since I've been given mercy, I am going to show mercy. God, we are worshipers. We worship and we will witness and you will make our feet the feet of a deer. What a picture. And we will go and we will walk and we will skip on our high places. And God, we thank you. We worship you in Jesus' mighty, mighty name. Now, I want to ask you this. Truly, the woman much afraid in the allegory, she had to accept the shepherd. And he said, my sheep know my voice. Maybe you believe in Jesus, but to become like him, 
You have to make him Lord of your life. It's where we say, God, you have access to every area of my life. I don't stand before you a perfect person, but I do stand before you a transformed person. And that transformation began when I said, Jesus, you're Lord. Jesus, you're Lord. I want to just stop and say, yesterday I received a call from someone. And I'm going to be very discreet, but I'm going to tell you we're endings. Sorry, I've gone a little bit longer. And it's someone I've known for almost 30 years. And they made some choices that are so out of their character. And I began to reflect, just like much afraid, when the heart is fearful, the face will be contorted. And I'm not just talking about a countenance. I'm talking about what are they worshiping? Your face reflects who you worship. And I begin to pray, God, have mercy on her. God, have mercy on her. God, have, this is not your way. I am not a perfect person, but like much afraid, I'm just trusting the, the shepherd to lead Becky and I. And you will see, we will dwell on his high places. Now today, if you need to make Jesus number one of your life, that means Lord of your life, access to all parts of your life. You believe in him, but you've never made him Lord. I'm going to count to three and you're going to raise your hand. So one, now on two, you're going to raise your hand. You go, I've never done that before. Three, just raise your hand wherever you're at. I, I want to give my heart, every part of my life to Jesus Christ. We always want to give an opportunity for that. Will you pray this with me and we'll go right back into worship. Say, Jesus forgive me coming to my heart be the Lord of my life I believe you're the son of God that you died and you rose again for me I believe in my heart unto your righteousness and with my mouth I say you're Lord and I am saved we so appreciate you spending time with us if you'd like to invest into what God is doing through City Church California you can go to our website, citychurchca.com, and click Give. Thanks again, and we hope to see you at one of our campuses this Sunday.